Let's turn tonight to Luke chapter 18, verse 7. Might be a little bit strange to uh, open with this scripture tonight, but <clears throat> I think it'll, it'll help us to come to the conclusion that the Lord wants us to see. Luke chapter 18, verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Now listen to this question. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? Now he didn't say, would he find money? Would he find riches? Would he find wealth? Would he find worldliness? Would he find all kinds of things? But would he find faith on the earth? Now it's not that the Lord Jesus is asking a question he doesn't know the answer to. And it's not like that he's saying this like you and I. Oh my, is there going to be anybody left? Is there going to be anybody saved? But many times he would ask a question to prod, probe, move the righteous in a more intent way. So that they would, by asking this question, it would cause them to ponder and wonder about it. And then they would catch it in the answer to the question. So it's something holding me. It's something holding you. Will he find faith when he comes on the earth? Yes, he will. And one of the things that will prod the faithful to remain that way is him phrasing it in such a way. Why would he ever say something like this if it's just going to be so easy, people will just breeze right through it. There'll be no problems. There'll be no troubles. There'll be no impersonation of truth. There'll be no falling away. My, it's just going to be, there'll be so many people going through the gates and so many people that's going there. Why, you'll just get nearly run over. Why, absolutely, you'll just get nearly mowed down by all the people that's going to go that way. <laughs> Don't you believe that? You got in your mama's pillbox if you believe that. Straight is the gate. And narrow is the way. And few there'll be that'll find it. But I'm glad I'm one of the few. One of the few. Amen. I may like to be remembered tonight as we pray. Let's bow our heads together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we read this different text tonight and as we look at it I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us that we might be benefited Lord as we look into your word we know that every word of God is given to us for a reason even in the types and the shadows and the historical events that were written much of them from the Old Testament we can be so benefited by them, Lord. How much more of those things which are directed toward our time 
in the New Testament and also prophetically of the last days. So I pray that you would help us tonight, Father, as we endeavor to embrace what you spoke and the meaning that you did not speak. For we know sometimes you would say things in such a way that it would cause the non-elect, that it would cause others to stumble. It would cause them to wonder and even walk away and leave you standing there. But we know it will not do that to the seed of God. Father, I pray you'd help us tonight. Help me to get out of the way, Father. I pray that you'd be mindful of everyone that's here. I know we have many needs, but we believe our God is greater than all of our needs compiled together. Lord, I hold in my hand this prayer calls tonight, Lord, for Michael Carter. You see, Lord, the situation in his body, and you see, Father, the preliminary things that the doctors have told him and going to have tests and things run. But, Lord Jesus, we're asking for your mercy. We know you are a God that loves to come on the scene and loves to move and express your power. I pray, Lord God, that your healing virtue would go with this as I preach with this next to my body tonight, Lord God, and they deliver to Michael. May his faith contact, Lord Jesus, with this simple action of faith, and we believe that you will perform the great hand of God in the miraculous. Granted, fathers, we open our hearts, our ears to your word tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints of God said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. His ways, of course, are so different from ours. In the way that he approaches such important things. Now, those of you that are familiar with this setting and this uh, passage of Scripture that we've read in the book of Luke, you know that it's the Lord Jesus giving a parable. And the parable was of an unjust judge. And it was a widow woman who had a son, and she was constantly, constantly, constantly asking of this judge, please, please avenge my son, please move, please do this. And Jesus uses it in a very odd way, and he says, the judge finally said, uh, not because that I'm, I'm a man of pity and not because I'm a man of gracious understanding and so on, but he says, because I want to rid myself of this woman. Now, what a strange way that he would set forth a parable as an unjust judge compared to a loving father. Now, it would be a peculiar way if we would think in our minds, if we was going to use something that would be able to define the love, the mercy, the grace, the reaching out of our tender father's hand, we would never use an unjust judge to try to compare our father to. But the Lord Jesus knew that the great depth sometimes of parallels was actually paralleling something that would be to the obscure, something that would be so far to the extreme on the other side that the real children of God would get a clearer view. So he used an unjust judge, and then he goes in this verse 7, and shall not God avenge his own elect? Now, he goes from an unjust 
judge, one that was neither caring nor had the person of this widow in his mind, nor had really the code of justice in his heart, but he goes to compare that to the faithful almighty El Shaddai. The breasted God who is so concerned about the needs of his children that he was standing there veiled in human flesh. Now, they did not fully comprehend this yet, but no doubt after the Lord Jesus had made his coming clear and made it known, they looked back upon this parable with great marvel. And they thought how much he truly loved us. For the very Almighty Himself was standing there as He set forth this great divine parable. And the Lord Jesus did it in the way of contrast. And He did it in the way of forming a parable from extremes. But remember, our God sometimes does it that way. And we know that he uses the very values and the laws of separation, as we talked about last Wednesday night, in the very way of contrast. You see, he doesn't get it and pick it right up what will be real super, super close all the time and compare the real close to the real, real fine. But sometimes he chooses the gross and the obscure and the very, the very epitome of the image of darkness. And then he would compare that to the radiance of the light. He would compare something that would be so far to the left, compare it to something so far to the right, instead of something that was extreme right and something that was right next door to it. So in that, we must be led by the Spirit of God when we read His Word and the challenge of being able to rightly divide it. So you see, we cannot rightly divide it and really have proper and true understanding with the mind of a theologian or with just the mind of someone who prides himself in memorization of the Bible. But it must be by children of light. Or as it was said in the New Testament times, that it was sons of light. Now those of you that are familiar with the caves of Qumran, it was there right on the border of the Red Sea. It was near a community uh, called the Essenes. Now Carol and I was privileged to be able to stand there a couple of years ago and we were able to see some of the caves right in the distance there where most of you have heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls. All of you have heard of those that were found in 1947. Now it was found by a little Bedouin boy that had lost a sheep or a goat it was and he was searching for this goat and he was given the charge of the goats to take care of them and he come right up close to this cave and there's many many caves there and he threw a rock picked up a rock and threw into the darkness of the cave well whenever he threw this rock into the darkness of the cave it hit something that sounded very peculiar well the boy goes inside the cave and whenever he got in there he found a jar he got down inside the jar opened it up and he pulled out a scroll now that scroll was one of over 900 that they have found abroad in many of those caves. Now, this was the caves of Quamron. Just some months back, they actually found some more. 
Now, it's the only full version of the book of Isaiah and many, many books of the Bible, but yet also the sect of the Essenes was written there. Now, the Essenes were a very odd, different people. They were a separated people, and they believed in ritual baths, so they had all kinds of baths, and as they've done the digs, the archaeological digs in this vicinity there, they found, found one mikvah after another after another, and they lived there by themselves in the graves that they dug into were mainly males from the age of 20 something up to about 80 something like that mainly men that lived this separated life so they found many writings that the Essenes wrote about themselves now I'll say all that to say this that they said the last great battle that would ever be fought on the earth would be the sons of light fighting against the sons of darkness so this was a common understanding of the term. Now they wrote about the time and part of this was right up to the time even of John the Baptist. And they lived not too far from, you've heard the country of Masada and the area of Masada. So they were not too far from that. So they hid these uh, scrolls and all that before Masada would have been captured. So it was an understanding in that day of this New Testament time that there were sons of light and sons of darkness. And they felt like, of course, they were the sons of light. So they believed they would be the ones that was bearing the truth of the light of God. And they did this by separating themselves, keeping away from everybody, washing their flesh over and over and over again. And the only thing they got rid of was more flesh. That's right, there was no more born again than the man that walked the streets of Jerusalem, but yet this is what they believed. But they did have an element of truth in that they believed that there would be sons of light and sons of darkness. Now, the Lord Jesus asked this question in a very pronounced type of way, and it was something naturally that would be misunderstood, but one thing that he's doing is emphasizing the power of prayer. And he uses this to show that as the saints of God come into their walk with the Lord Jesus, that he is not going to just answer. And whenever he answers this, he does not set it forth that as soon as trouble comes your way and you pray the first time and the answer will be right there the next day or within an hour. But he's showing us that there will be times that we will pray and pray and pray. And we will ask God, but what must we do? We must faithfully keep praying whether or not we feel anything, whether or not it seems like we get an answer. Because remember, when you speak to the mountain and that mountain is to obey your voice, you might not see it, but a grain of sand might fall around on the other side of that mountain. And your, your faith was the only thing about you that believed it was going to happen. By your sight, you never saw that grain of sand fall off. You never felt it. It never made any noise. It never made any type of earthquake. It was way too small. But your faith said, I'm going to praise God for it. And I'm going to thank him for it until I see the manifestation. So the Lord Jesus is using this strange setting to encourage us as the people of God to keep on praying. And the truth of it is, friends, if we don't pray, we will faint. It's as simple as that. If we as the people of God do not pray. Now, let me ask you this. The, those of you that are married here tonight, you brothers and sisters, if you treated your wife and never talked to your wife or your husband any more than you talked to God, I wonder what kind of a marriage that you would have. 
Now let's say it like this, that you don't speak to the Lord the first thing in the morning. He's not the first person that you speak to. You know, the only time you speak to him is whenever you quickly bow your head after you've picked up your Egg McMuffin through the drive-thru or whatever it is they decided to give you because they don't listen to you no way. So whatever it is that you wind up getting and then you bow your head briefly as you're trying to work your way out of the morning traffic and then you don't talk to him again until you grab your lunch and then you don't talk to him again until supper and then you don't talk to him again until you're so worn out and then you lay down on your bed at night. Now I wonder what kind of marriage that we would have if we talk to our spouses the same way. Now, even though you're legally married, even though you have children together and so on, but yet there would be something that would come between you and it wouldn't necessarily be another man, another woman. It wouldn't be that you're interested in leaving that person, but it is that you simply let something come between you and your spouse. It is the lack of communication. You don't talk no more. You don't uh, you know, just sat down and talk about things that you have in common. You really don't talk. You just don't talk to each other. And you only talk, pass the pepper, pass the salt, hand me the gravy, hand me the eggs, hand me the biscuits, and then you go silent after that. So you can imagine then how that Christians feel toward God and how God feels toward them whenever they really don't spend time in prayer. Now I'm not just talking about that private time when you're all alone with the Lord. There's nothing that ever take the place of that. But once you learn, you can pray when you are working. You can pray when you're driving 30 minutes to work with your eyes wide open. Where do we get this idea that reverence means our eyes are closed? You have the liberty right now to stand to your feet and show me that in the Bible. You have the liberty to stand on your feet and show me in the Bible that God only hears us when our knees are bowed. How many times did the Lord Jesus pray when he was standing? As a matter of fact, Jesus said, when you stand praying, say, our Father who art in heaven. So where do we get a lot of this stuff? It is tradition. And Satan wants us to believe that because he knows in this busy, busy age that we're living in, it will minimize the amount of time that you have to be down on your knees in prayer. So when you really learn to communicate with God, then you can communicate on your way to work, on your way to Walmart, on your way back from Walmart, while you're in Walmart, wherever you are, you can talk to him, you can love him, and you can be able to keep that communication line open all the time. And then when an emergency arises, it's not like you have to reintroduce yourself. Hello, God, I'm Donnie. I haven't spoken to you in quite a while, but I'm, I'm one of your children. I don't know if you remember me or not. I realize it's been several days. You know, whenever in trouble comes, you can just pick up the conversation where you left it off 30 minutes ago. So the Lord Jesus wanted to emphasize this to us. But we know part of the spirit of the last days will be to have a profession of Christianity and that I'm this and that and the other. And it will be a confession or a profession without a possession. Now, this is part of the last days. Of course, it's been here for a long, long time, but in the last days, it certainly will be more capitalized on and emphasized on because it'll be part of the lullaby to rock people to sleep in the time frame of Laodicea. That they will be able to be think they are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. They don't want a preacher that'll tell them how to live. They don't want a preacher that'll tell them they need to straighten up. They want a preacher that'll pat them on the head 
head and tell them how good they are and how sweet they are and all that sort of thing. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, friend, God's men don't do that. Oh my, they'll tell you sweet when you need to hear you sweet and when you're sour, they will tell you you're sour. That's just the way that it is. And they let the chips fall where they will because they're not only preaching to you, they're preaching to themselves at the same time. Now listen to this, Brother Random in the message entitled Way of a True Prophet. He said the world is looking for a superman. And he said they're looking for something that can let them hold on their Christian profession and live any way they want to. The women want to act like Hollywood still maintain that they got the Holy Ghost. The preachers want to build the biggest church and do all these things and have deacons that's married many times and they can do these little things and wear these clothes. They call it the liberation of women. And of course, it's not just the liberation of women. It's the liberation of men. It's the liberation of deacons. It's the liberation of preachers. It's the liberation of America. It's the liberation of everything. But actually, it's not liberation, it's condemnation. Now, watch how deep deception can run in a profession. Now, I know that people think sometimes, well, when people come down on their deathbed, boy, I'll tell you one thing. They face that reality and they look God face to face. Are you sure about that? I want you to notice this, that the prophet picks up the parable of the Lord Jesus. And it was the rich man that in hell lifted up his eyes. And he said, remember, he still wanted to hold his profession in hell. Now I want you to think how deceived, how wretchedly deceived that in the parable this rich man was. Now he come up to the gates of death he faced the reality of his soul and he went into the, remember the parable is a heavenly story with an earthly meaning, and he goes down through the channel of death and he does not merge on the other side in a glorified body. He does not merge in the sixth dimension in a theophany. But in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. Now this man in the parable is in hell. But I want you to notice how he prays. Remember, he still wanted to hold his profession in hell. He's seen Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham and he said, Father Abraham, send Lazarus down here. See, still calling him Father. So here he is in the story and he did not go to the realm of the blessed. He did not go into a heavenly court. He did not go into a heavenly presence, but in hell he lifted his eyes and even in hell, he still maintained his profession. I am a believer. I am a believer and I have a right to call Abraham my father. Don't you see friends, death does not change you. Oh my. Watch this. He took his knowledge and went to an intellectual church. When the light struck him, he turned it down. Now when the light struck him, he turned it down 
And then when he goes into this realm, in the story, in the book of Luke, if you remember reading it, then even when he goes beyond the gates of death, he still is there. Well, you say, Brother Nani, how is that possible? How do you think all of those who will stand before the Lord in the great white throne judgment, don't you understand the foolish virgin and many of those that are absolutely as lost as lost can be? They are held in that region of the unsaved this very night. When they raise in the second resurrection, they will come out of the regions of the lost. And they will walk up before the throne of God and say, I have cast out devils in your name. I have raised the dead. I have healed the sick. Now, how many ever hundreds or thousands of years they have been held prisoners in the souls that are in prison now in that abyss of darkness. That darkness never changed their profession. That darkness, all that agony, whatever it is that they were going through, and yet that did not scare them into the reality that I am lost. Can you imagine many church members have been there in that regions of the lost for hundreds of years and still somehow think they're saved? Why? Because where you go does not change you. Lord have mercy, children. Can't you see how important it is that we must be changed on this side of death? People think they can live any way and do any way they want to, and then when they face death, they go into the channel of death, and they're a liar and a hypocrite and a devil, and they come out on the other side a saint of God. Death don't change you. All death does is move you from your present state to another world. And if you're lost, death simply moves you into that world where the lost are kept. But it does not open your soul and help you to say, oh no, oh no, I'm lost. They will resurrect and walk before the Lord God and they will stand there with every anticipation as they stand there and walk the saints. Watch the saints as they walk in to the paradise of God. And they will stand there with this great expectation and they will walk up before the Lord and they will know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I'm next, I'm going, oh hallelujah, thank God, can you imagine when the Lord God looks at them and said, I never knew you. What? I pastored so-and-so church. Well, I studied in the seminary. I was in the message. Brother Branham ordained me to preach. I never knew you. In other words, I never had an intimate relationship with you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Can you imagine them people as now the stark reality hits their soul? Lord God, I'm lost. I'm a deacon, I'm a pastor, I'm a bishop, I'm an apostle, I'm whatever more. I'm lost. And the angels escort them by the thousands and tens of thousands and millions Lord Jesus, then the reality hits them. I'll tell you one thing, Lord, burn my hide every time I go to church, if that's what it takes. Hallelujah. So this man, the light struck him, 
but he didn't want it. So he found what? Oh, he wasn't looking for hell. He wasn't looking for a bar to go to. So he found a church that suited his taste. That's right. Then what did it do? It soothed his conscience that you're okay. So he went down there in hell and he thought, what in the world am I doing here? How did I get to this place? But he said, well, I'm saved nonetheless. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how in the world this has worked out, but I'm a saved man. Lord God, children. Notice as the prophet said, what the people are trying to do, they want a Messiah that will let them live and do anything they want and act like the world and live in the world and still hold their Christian profession. Right, you can't do it, you can't do that. If you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God is not even in you, Jesus said, yes sir. But that's the kind of Messiah the world wants. That's the reason they won't receive God's Messiah. That's right, they won't have God's Messiah because God's Messiah will not let them do that. So God then requires that his people live a separate lifestyle from the world. They act different, they look different, they behave different. It is part of the benefit of separation. Now, if you look at it right, it is not prison. It is not something, oh my, I would love to do this, but I can't do it. The church I go to, boy, I get preached on. You don't have a revelation yet. You see, conformity is unconditionally forbidden. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, Paul said. So separation has great rewards for those who are willing to separate. Y'all can say amen to that, can't you? See, for Israel to be separated from the rest of the nations of the earth, the reward was to have the name of God. The reward was to have a land that they had never labored for. The reward was, oh, it was absolutely wonderful, the great rewards that God gave them. Now, God may not give us a natural land, and God may not give us a temple as it was with them, but our rewards also will be great if we will allow the Spirit of God to separate us to himself. Now, I'm talking about us making a clique or a clan or a cult. I'm talking about being separated by God's word unto himself. Why? Because we are a bride. Now, how many of you married men tonight or you young men that are looking for a wife and you would tell her before you got engaged, now look, now look, sweetie, I, I, I want you to be my wife and I'm gonna talk to your father and all and we'll do this exactly right. We prayed about this and we're gonna get engaged and she'll say, okay, fine, yeah, I wouldn't mind being your wife, but I hope now you don't think that by me making this commitment of engagement and then marriage that you think that you're the only boy now in my life. Now, now you don't think that, do you? Well, I'm gonna tell you one thing. If you would go any farther than that engagement, you're missing a whole load. You're not a brick shy of a load. You're a whole load shy of a load. Any man that would do that is crazy. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Same with you sisters, if that man said, now look, I, I want you to be my wife. I want you to wash my clothes and arm them and starch my collars and my cuffs. I want you to sweep the floor. I want you to do this and that and the other. But don't think now that you're gonna get all my love because no, I'm, I'm just not made up that way. I'm a man that I'm a multi-woman dude. I mean, I'm Mr. Cool himself. And I'm God's gift to ladies on the earth. So don't think you're gonna, I'm gonna whistle at women. I'm gonna wink at them. I'm gonna flirt with them. I'm gonna text them. I'm I'm gonna have girlfriends on Facebook. 
you low down snake. Amen, Brother Donnie. Well, I'll tell you girls the same thing I told them men. If you'd marry such a man like that, you're a complete idiot. You ain't got enough sense to get out of this building. That's exactly right. Well, if we wouldn't do that as natural men and women, why do we think God will do it to us? So the people say, God, I want to be your bride. I want to be your bride. I want to spare heaven. I want to spare hell. I want to spare all trouble, all tribulation, every difficulty. Every time I pray in your name, I want you to grant it at least by tomorrow evening. If you're a little late, I can take by five o'clock, but no later than five, I grant you. I don't want no extra tribulation. I don't want no extra heartaches. I don't want to have to give up the world, the things of the world. I want to act like the world, talk like the world, go to any movies I want, watch any videos I want, listen to any kind of music I want to listen to. I want to dance the gospel music on Sunday morning. I'm going to dance the rock and roll on Monday morning. Now, God, I want you to save me, heal me, deliver me, make you. I want you to make me your everything. But God, I'm going to give you nothing because I absolutely refuse to give you everything that you better grant it to me that I get to sit right by your right hand side. You're as dumb spiritually as you are naturally. Now, you see, in order to be the bride, we've got to be consecrated and set aside. Now this is what separates the bride from the church among many, many other things. Now what's in the book of Leviticus chapter 20 verse 23? You shall not walk in the manners of the nation. Now sometimes God would take the seven nations that he drove out of the land of Canaan and he would call them Canaanites, but yet there were Philistines, Amorites, Hittites, Jebusites, but because the Canaanites were the worst of the bunch and they were the largest of the bunch, sometimes God would refer to the whole thing as Canaanites, and sometimes God would refer to the whole lot as singular as one nation. And, and here God refers to it as one, but he means the multiplicity of all of them. And he says, you shall not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things. Now God goes into detail mentioning what it was, and therefore I abhorred them. Now watch what he's showing them. The reason I'm giving you this land is because all these people, the parents the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Philistines, all these people, they offered their children to Molech. They'd done all these terrible, terrible things. And I drove them out of the land because of this. Now, if I give you their land and you do the same thing they done, guess what? I'll drive you out with worse and fiercer judgment than I drove them out. So in other words, God's saying, look, I have separated you unto myself, but when I bring you into the land of Canaan, don't think you can pick up their worldly habits, their worldly traits, their worldly behavior, and you still get the land of salvation. Boy, boy, boy. My, my. Notice in verse 24, but I have said unto you, you shall inherit their land and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Oh my goodness, you mean William Branham was not the first one? <laughs> you might need to read your Bible further back. 
I am the Lord your God which have separated you from other people. Now God coming with separation comes a price, of course. But really when you look at it right and you see it correctly, the benefits of being separated so far outweigh any difficulty or any burden that's laid upon you. And God said, I'm the Lord your God which have separated you from other people. In other words, I have called you. I have chosen you. I have made you a different type of people. You are distinguished from them separately by my favors, by my grace, by the abundance of my mercy, and also by certain things that I will give you to where the people of the world will be able to look at you and know that you are different by the way you dress, by the way you act, and by the way you behave. And you will walk according to the things that I lay out before you. And Happy Valley said, So you see, it was a wonderful separation. And it reminds me of what we spoke just about temporarily last Wednesday about God establishing this principle now many, many years before Leviticus was ever written. Now God had already called to them, of course, before Leviticus, but now God is making the book of Leviticus, as you know, that is Genesis and Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and and the first five books of Moses then go over into Joshua and Judges and Ruth and Samuel and so on. So God lays it out how that they're to be separate by the pillar of fire. But that's God's doing. They're to be separate by the cloud. But that's God's doing. But then there's other things that they must be separated by and that must be their doing. And there'll be things they will have to do. And if they don't do it, they don't believe him no matter what they say. Now, a man might profess to be a Jew and he might profess to be a real believer, but if he did not follow the codes of separation, his life did not match what he said he was. Well, I think we can bring it on down, can't we, Brother Wes? Now, watch this in Genesis chapter one, verse three. And we know that God is unchanging in his behavior. Malachi three said, I'm God and I change not. Hebrews 13, eight is the same yesterday and forever. Watch in Genesis one, three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now this comes from, of course, Moses being caught back into the creation in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And here in verse three, God's answer. Watch this now. He said, God said, let there be light. So God's answer to the dominance of of darkness was the creation of light. God's answer to the dominance of darkness was the creation of light. So light is essential to life. Without the creation of light, there would have been no need for Father to go on with the creation from this point on. If he would have said, let there be trees, let there be animals, let there be this, let there be that, all of that required light. Oh my. You see, light is one of God's great creation. I hope you don't think I'm a nut by the time I get done with this tonight. But light is one of God's creations that carries down through time its original state of purity. Unlike the earth, 
which can be and has been contaminated for thousands of years. Unlike water, which has been and can be contaminated. Man gets all of his chemicals and man will go out and out west somewhere like in Florida as they had just this past week or so and you read about it no doubt in the news where they had a spillover of this water that they were scared to death was going to pollute the waterways and all that. Well, did God make that waterway? Of course not. It's a byproduct of man developing this and that and the other. Uh, how does man do all this? He pollutes it. But water has the ability to be tainted and taken from its pure form in the original creation. The earth has the ability to be able to be mixed. So they take iron ore from the earth, they take copper from the earth, they take all these different minerals from the earth, and then they leave these pits where that they wash them out. And then, many of you this familiar with coal mining and so on, and they go back and then years and years later, you find a, a creek, a river running down through there. And there's all this acids and stuff that's inside of it. Well, that water was no doubt pure. And the earth was pure when it was left in its intact form. But man got in the and pulled it out and then man mixing it all together taking this out purifying this removing that then man leaves the sludge ponds and man leaves all these things inside of there and the earth has the ability to become contaminated but light cannot be contaminated now think of it when the Lord God said let there be light do you understand that light of God is just as pure tonight as it was thousands of years ago or millions of years ago whenever he said it. Now think that light can be able to permeate and come down through clouds. Light can be able to come down through rain. And you've seen it when the clouds are parting away. And myself, I love sitting in, the, in a tree stand or in the woods just walking around, whichever it is, and watch those beams of those rays of light as they penetrate down through the leaves. Y'all seen that, haven't you? Oh, it just looks like the glory of God to me. And you see that light as it comes down through. Now here are the leaves hanging on the trees and all the different things of the elements of the atmosphere that it has to come through. But yet the light itself is pure. It remains untaintable. Now think about it. Of the water, it can be tainted. It can be poisoned. The earth can become tainted. Even the atmosphere, as scientists are saying, that through our carbon emissions and all that, that the atmosphere is changing. And the atmosphere that the ozone layer above the earth is actually being reduced year by year by year. So what is it? The atmosphere around us is being tainted. But how come light is not being tainted? Because it retains its perfection of purity that God gave it. Now, if light would be able to strike and we would dig down on the earth and there would be the coal vein and we would capture that light and bury it back and we'd put the dust back on it and the dirt and whatever more, or you say the light's impure. It is not impure because it's not made in the molecular structure of the light where it can merge together with the darkness. All oh, glory to God. You see, light is pure in itself. And when light shines through, it sheds forth its pure nature. You ever notice how a bright, sunshiny day can affect your mood? Come on now, be honest. How many of y'all love giving a morning say, wow, I love them clouds. Man, I'm on a dance. Woo, clouds. 
Isn't it amazing how sunshiny, nice day like today and yesterday, I mean, that makes an old sourpuss smile. Even old people, they just got an attitude like a bobcat. Man, alive is something about a sunshiny day. Why? Because the pure, I don't know if you understand it or not, but it's the purity and the uncontaminable reflection of that light that's still in its original spoken word condition. And it has the ability, and even though it may start off raining in the morning and rain for several hours, and right before the sun will set, the clouds will begin to give way and the, the light will come through. And you know that there's called what, what is called the spectrum of light. And it took many, many years, as far as we know, for scientists to be able to ever break it down that those ultraviolet rays and violet rays are able to be transmitted in different speeds. So it was through what? A prism that they found this out. A Isn't it amazing that you can run it through a square box and it won't do that? Isn't it amazing that you try to bend that light through a circle or a hexagon or other types of geographical measures and it will not diffuse it? But you run it through a three-sided piece or a pyramid, faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance. And whenever you put that pure light on one side through, running through the pyramid, we'll say supernatural and naturally, and then it comes out on the other side, broken over into those major spectrums of color. And yet it went in as white light. On the other side, it comes out in a sevenfold manifestation. So the logos of God went into the pyramid of God's great perfection. It come out on the other side, subdivided into seven church ages. It'll all be culminated right back together again when the future home comes down and sets back down on the earth. Oh, glory to God. And then all the redeemed of those seven church ages will merge right back into the other side of that pyramid and come out on the other side and who will we see sitting there? The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the first and the last. Who will it be? And there will be the Lord Jesus sitting there, the redeemed human body of God and there will be the great original light himself setting right over and there will be father and son not an old man and a young boy but father God which is light hallelujah and the Lord Jesus which is a human and there will be the sons of light and the daughters of light living in the city of light and we won't need Johnson City Power Board we won't have to pay electric bill for the Lord God and the Lamb are the light thereof. Light has kept its promise perfection. It has kept its purity. It has kept its brightness. How beautiful and how pure when the clouds come together and they condense and draw the moisture from the seas. Those beautiful, clear, precious drops of rain start falling down. But isn't it amazing? In our lifetime, now we have what we call acid rain. Working on our paint, is that right, Brother Fred? Working on our automobiles, working on our homes. Why? Because the condensation of that moisture being pulled up, the pollutants from man going into the seas and the oceans and the streams, the work of condensation does not filter at all. It still has the ability to be tainted. So what does it do? It spreads the taint in the form of acid rain. 
But have you ever read where any scientist says we got acid sunshine today? Everybody stay inside. Glory to God. God said, let there be light. You see, being pure in itself, wherever it appears, it maintains its pure nature. <laughs> Glory to God. Absolutely incorruptible. Don't you see why we can only serve God as we walk in the light of the day? You see, after the word of God of the day comes into the earth, humans, into Bible schools, into understanding of theologians, they have the ability to contaminate that precious message of the hour. And even though they may put it in book form, tape form, whatever more, and they may add to it and take away from it, the light that God shined on that word, man can't bottle it, man can't grab it, man can't get a hold of it and contaminate it. It won't mix. That's why brother, sister is so important that we don't just believe this and believe that and believe something else. What's so important is that we're born from the father of lights. That within us is light itself. I hope you understand. It is even more important than how many books you memorize, how many tapes you memorize. Hallelujah. One day you'll become old and your memory won't be good, but the light in your soul will still be pure. Hallelujah. Why? Because light is incorruptible. You see, it can bring no contamination. Light cannot be polluted. Thank you, Jesus. So is the spiritual light. What's this in Matthew 5:14? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Wow. Ye are the light of the world. Now he's not talking about just the flesh of them disciples. If that was so, then when they died, the light went out. But the light unfolded from their generation to the next, to the next, the dawning of another day, another day. How many times has the sun broke? Oh, glory to God on our eastern horizon in the United States of America. It has done it for millennia. And yet, my brother, sister, the Lord willing, it will happen in the morning and the next day and the next day and the next day until he says that's the end of it. And no matter who roamed America, no matter if it was a Democrat in the White House or a Republican in the White House, before we ever got here and the American Indians was here, the same sun arose and shined and they received of its purity. Think of this. Nobody owns light. Nobody has dominance on light. It is not, oh my, it don't care what race you are. It don't care what 
language you speak, it is a universal blessing of God. Every man, woman, boy, and girl benefits from light. If it was not for light, we could grow no food. If it was not for light, there would be no photosynthesis. If it was not for light, we would all after so long die because our own bodies intake those ultraviolet rays in the form of vitamin D and go inside of our bodies and every cell in our body has an element of the light of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why? Because this light cannot be contaminated. It cannot be corrupted. Notice Jesus in John 12, 36. While you have light, believe in the light. And this is why you want to believe in it. That ye may be the children of light. Or as the original says, sons of light. Amen. You see how people have been able in every age to walk away from the word of God for that day. They received that word after the light was they shine on it. Then they come over here and they say, oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And many of them got the word after the light shined on it, but they left the light behind. Then somebody else come and twisted up their mind and made a YouTube video and put it on this and that and other with all kinds of questions about whatever more. And then they started looking at it another way, Eve's interpreter again. And why? Because they never received the light in their soul. You see, once you become light, you are not just walking in light, you are light. Oh, Oh, children, I don't don't want to just walk around the light. I don't want to just take the word that the light has shined on. I want the light and the word. Hallelujah to God. And if they ever take our Bibles, I hope they don't, but if they do, it will not stop us. Wow, we got the light and the word in our soul. If they take our tapes, if they shut our church down, so be it. If that's the will of God, they'll never be able to reach down in our soul and take that light out of our soul. We are sons and daughters of light. Amen. We are not sons and daughters of William Branham, of Donnie Reagan, some other preacher. We are spoken words. Word, children, let there be light. I don't know if you know this or not in the time frame or the sequence of order, but this verse here in St. John 12, 36 actually brings a close of the public utterance of the Lord Jesus' ministry. He doesn't preach another sermon publicly. This is the last word. Now he's still before a group of people there. Pharisees, Sadducees, people questioning him and this and that and the other. And this is the last words he says as far as sermon in a public format to the public. From this time on, he speaks to the elect. And listen at the last words that he says before the public. While you have light, believe in light, that you may be the children of light. 
These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. This is St. John 12. But in St. John 13, we find him having communion with some more folks. The disciples. Now whether he vanished or whether he moved among the crowd, John didn't really say. He just said he hid himself from them. With these words that you may be the children of light. And then when Jesus says this, he either vanishes to an invisible world or moves among them and they never hear another sermon. So this is the closing of the last pull. And the last pull has to do with what? Light. Light. Notice Ephesians 5, 8. As Paul, for ye were sometimes darkness. Now notice he breaks beyond just to what the natural mind, well, I was lost and I was in darkness. Yes, we were, but it goes deeper than that. We were not just in darkness. We were darkness. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye, you're not in the light, but now are ye light. So you were, notice he didn't just say dark. You weren't just dark. You were darkness. You were darkness. But your seed wasn't. Your seed was in darkness, but you, your nature, your nature was darkness. That's why we could do the things that we did. That's why we did what we did and we enjoyed it. That's how people can live the way they do today and do what they do. Why? Because they are darkness. But now are ye light in the Lord. This is why the prophet in the realm of vision would look around and see a person that was a believer said, I see you're a believer because it's turning light all around you. He didn't say, oh, somebody get your measuring tape. Let me measure her hair. Let me measure her dress. All right, woman, let me see. You got earrings in? All right, man, let me see. Let me, let me, let me look here. Let me see, man, what color socks you got on? What kind of holiness man are you? Uh, how long's your hair? Whoop, whoop, whoop. His hair's touching his ear. He can't be a believer. The, the very realm of their soul emanated either darkness or light. You see, light is a universal gift. Watch this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. Ye are all the children of light. So that makes light our father. And God is light. Ye are all, notice this, children, oh my, of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Now watch Paul, he's going right back to bring in comparison Genesis 1-3. So God's answer to get rid of total darkness and so whenever Moses looks out by vision and he's here in this, in this cave or wherever it was and he had his hand maybe over the rock or whatever it was that God showed him. And when he looks there, he sees the earth turning and spinning around and around and there was this dark and chaos and Moses looking by vision and said, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. 
And then the, oh, the Spirit of God moved upon him and he saw it whirl out of the being of God. And God said, let there be light. And here come this little pillar of fire. Oh my, as he moved over the top of the earth. And what did he do? He separated the light from the darkness. He's still doing the same thing right now. Now you see, you were there identified in Genesis chapter one, verse three. God wrote the history of your life in the creation format that he would constantly be separating you until the very end when you're separated from yourself. Amen. Amen. Now you see, light being a universal gift, it belongs to no certain nation. Boy, I'm sure glad if the Chinese could get a hold of all light, wouldn't we be in a fix? If Iran could get a hold of all lights, all right, y'all getting lights, you gotta buy it from us. Russia get a hold of all the light, the right shines on the good and the bad and the ugly and the indifferent and the pretty and them even think the pretty one the ain't. And it shines on everybody, everybody benefits by it and it's in that original format by which it's still expanding and the great universe is still going on. That's why that our scientists are still finding galaxies that they say out there now. I was looking at something that was written about 40, uh, 40 years ago, something like that, and they were saying that there were six septillion different stars. Oh my, don't try to figure out your calculator, even blow your iPhone up. All these stars way out yonder. Then I looked, Brother Skip, the, the, the very next day, and I looked to see what an update there was. Now this has been 40 years ago. So then I looked to see how much they had updated it since then, and now they're saying there's more than they can even count. That they're not even sure because what they thought they was looking at was a star they found out was a galaxy. And in that galaxy probably contains billions of more stars. And then this one that they thought was a star was also a galaxy. And this one which they thought was a star and it still just keeps right unfolding more and more. Why? Because his word has never stopped yet. Let there be light. Now remember he throwed all of that out there at the expense of the heavens by his word. And he calls every one of them by name. Praise God, praise God. You see, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. You see, that's why when we were in darkness in denominational Christianity, or maybe you weren't in a denomination, you was in, in just an independent church, but you was walking without light. Well, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. When the earth was in this state, prenatal condition, we'll call it, in that state, it was the absence of light. There was no light anywhere. So it would have been so thick, it would have been like the abyss. It would have been so thick, you could have felt like you could have cut it with a knife. There was not even one molecule of light, not one photon, nothing there at all and it was such obscure darkness so what is darkness it is the absence of light so whenever people would try to read the Bible and they try to look down and say that well Jesus here said there was a father in heaven and Jesus prayed to the father well people was in the shadow of darkness they're still trying to read it and they're looking around they're oh oh there, there's a father and then there's a son and then there's a Holy Ghost so there must be three of them up there there must be three persons in the Godhead that must be what it means I mean, that must be what it means if you turn the light on they go whoop. not three gods but one god but what is it that brings us out of darkness light what is it that brought us out from sitting under women preachers and brought us under water baptism of titles unto the real name of our Lord Jesus Christ? What was it when God turned on the light and removed darkness? Amen. 
So darkness is the absence of light. Now, when you hear some of the message, people say, oh, we don't need preachers. All we need to do is just listen to tapes only. Bless God. Why in the world would you want to hear some crazy preacher like Donnie Reagan stand up there and preach when you could play a tape on Wednesday night? Well, you know right there, you're talking to a person who has an absence of light in their understanding. Because if they believe one little bit of them tapes, they would go there and they see that the prophet of God brought men up there to ordain them and does God change his mind about his word? I don't find Brother Branham ordained CD players, tape players, books, printers. I don't find one printer that they haul through there and Brother Branham, I ordain you to preach the gospel. I never find one tape player, whether it was a cassette player or whatever. Come on now, don't get quiet on me. I don't find where they ever brought up one library up there and Brother Branham laid his hands on that library, come on Happy Valley, and said, I anoint you to go out there and take the place of all the preachers. You know where that comes from? The darkness of people's hearts who's not born again around this message. And it comes straight from the pits of hell because that's where hell is from. It contains Hades and darkness and the abyss. Well... Hallelujah. So darkness is the absence of light. So when you hear people saying that, you just know what they are and you realize that they're sitting there listening to that tape and many of them listen to them tapes more than you do. They listen to them tapes more faithful than many times people who sit under a ministry, but they're not hearing what the tapes say. As a matter of fact, Brother Branham said, and you won't hear them quote this either, but Brother Branham said, oh, you say, Brother Branham, I believe every word you said. He said, that's just being able to read. So if you think that's your Holy Ghost, you believe exactly the opposite of what he believed. You see, you can take the message of God that the light shined on and go run with that in book format, tape format, preacher format. But if you don't have that light upon your soul, you still ain't born again. Because you see, God said that the light and the darkness cannot dwell together. Kind of go on a few more minutes. Notice in Genesis 1, 4, and God saw the light that it was good. In amazing, God didn't say darkness was good. Now, darkness is necessary, but it ain't good. It ain't good. Isn't it amazing? Oh, y'all's houses make noises, pops and cracks and this and that. Everybody, pretty much everybody's house. Isn't it amazing how much greater they are at nighttime? <laughs> Thunderstorms. Why is it that darkness, there's an inner something in us, Brother Tony, that darkness enhances our fears? Now, don't sit there and look at me like y'all are so superhuman. Now, to you sisters, if your husband's going to be out after dark, do you say, now, honey, get back here now. Don't you be out too late. I'm just going to go over and play basketball. Play basketball. Get over here and be with me. Why? Noises. Suspicious sounds. Oh, Lord, I done see right now some of you ain't going to sleep a wink after a while. <laughs> now I lay me down to sleep. What are you doing? I'm watching and praying. Look, friends, you might as well be honest. There's something about darkness that we don't like. It's that way spiritually for the born again. If I've got 
got an area in my life tonight that the darkness is shining upon the word and it's hindering me from seeing who I am or who you are or where we are in time. This is why I constantly pray God illuminate my past. God illuminate my understanding because darkness is the absence of light. It's amazing how God can give you one little concept of something in the word and it totally turns your whole life around. What does it do? It births a son as it were. And that's why we're living in the S-O-N-D-A-Y, the Sunday, not the S-U-N-D-A-Y. We have moved into the dispensation of the S-O-N-D-A-Y. And if Satan can keep you in darkness, he'll have you doing things that ain't right. He'll have you convinced you can get by with it. But the light of God will shine on you. Say, don't you do that, daughter. Don't you do that, son. God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. The Hebrew word baldal. To divide, separate, set apart. Make a distinction. Make a distinction. To withdraw from, to separate Oneself. So here we see from Genesis 1 that God established the principle of separation himself. Not only did he separate light from darkness, but in verse 4, he separated day from night. In verse 14, he separated the waters from above the waters and the waters from the earth. So God started separating and dividing. Notice in verse five, and God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And when God begins to expand this over to his people, what does he do? God divides a line. Now you can do this and do this and do this and do this. But don't do this and this and this and this. Why? This is day. This is night. This is right. This is wrong. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. God looks at the day, the acceptable, the good, the right, his will, and he looks at this and says, this is good. But he simply looks at this over here and says, this is darkness. This is night. This is evil. This is not acceptable. Praise the Lord. Let's stand daylight. Let's read this in, in Leviticus 20 and 25, and then we'll pick up again, our Lord willing. You shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, between unclean fowls and clean. And you shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. 
So certain seafoods, the children of Israel are not allowed to eat. Depending on whether it chewed the cud or whether it had a parted hoof. Many, many fowl that God divided said, this is clean, this is unclean, this is clean, this is unclean. We say, how in the world did they know it? I'll tell you how they knew it. God had one man. That man's name was Moses. And Moses was a prophet. And God told Moses to tell them which one was acceptable and which one wasn't. Now remember, they've got to take this one man's word for it. Now, if some of the message people today would have been there in the days of Moses and they'd have walked up to Moses and said, I want scripture. I want scripture to show that this and this and this is unclean and this and this and this is clean. Who do you think you are to tell us what's right and wrong? I want at least three witnesses in the Bible. There wasn't no Bible. Come on, don't look at me funny. God said by the mouth of Amos, surely the Lord your God will do nothing, nothing, nothing until he reveals his secret to the servants, his servants, the prophets. Right. Well, I say, uh, you're a prophet? Oh, but Donnie, what do you say? It don't matter what I think. It don't matter what you think, or you, or you, or any of the rest of you, as far as that goes. But God had a man, and that man would say, don't do this, this is, this ain't, this, 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 this. I mean, friends, some of the message people died a heart attack. There ain't no way they could have lived under the stress. Bless God, I'll believe Brother Brian whenever he's got a scripture forever quote. And where did you get that at in the Bible? It's sad to say it, but some of our message preachers are preaching that Tommy rot. I don't think they ought to be in the pulpit. It's evident they know what a prophet is. You mean to tell me some little old two before pastor is going to stand up there in the pulpit and dare to try to correct a prophet of God? You got less sense in your noggin than I got in mine. But what did God declare? This is holy, this is holy, this is righteous, this is unholy. How did he declare it? A prophet of God. And the elect just said, amen. I don't understand it, but what's new? I don't understand how the sun comes up either, but I believe it does. I don't understand this, and I don't understand that. Boy, I can't believe in something I don't understand. Don't you sit there and lie to me. You're lying like a dog. You believe in the sun, don't you? Tell me you're going to understand that. You're going to understand 93 million miles from the earth. You're going to tell me you understand how, the, how that the moon, an average of 286,000 miles from the earth, and when the earth tilts on its axis, you understand. Oh, don't you stand there and tell me you understand all that. You don't understand a bit more than nothing. But you love the awe and the beauty. Is that right? Praise God. It's amazing to me, friends, because your God's done the same thing this day, and we have had a prophet to us, and don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do that. And then we'll have other people that didn't have one thousandth of the vindication he had, and they'll stand up and say, this ain't right, and that's okay, and this ain't right. They're doing exactly the same thing they call us nuts for taking his word for. The bottom line is they want you to take their word instead of his. That's right. 
No thanks. No thanks. But Brother Donnie, what if it's wrong? What if it's wrong? So if it's wrong for women to wear skirts all the time, tell me, what have they lost? If, if, it's, if, we've, if we've missed it on makeup, and, and we say, oh, but what if we find out it wasn't really wrong? Well, I've got a little news for you. I read just an article two weeks ago that they have now scientifically proved women who wear makeup actually age faster and have more wrinkles than women who don't. So I'll tell you one thing our women won't have, as many wrinkles as you do. It don't affect her soul. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But you see, to us, to us, the reason we look at it different is we're born of light. We don't consider it a prison. We consider it a privilege, an honor. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Lord God, thank you, Father, for your great truth. It was you who spoke when the earth was in such chaos and said, let there be light. And you saw the light and said it was good. Light and darkness couldn't dwell together, so the light forced the darkness into a different dispensation. And you call the light day and the darkness you call night. Father, we realize we were born. I was thinking about it just before coming out of the office just a bit ago. Struck my heart, Lord, such a reality. We were conceived in darkness. We were carried in the darkness of our mother's body. And even when we were born naturally, breaking forth out of the darkness of our mother, we were born in this world and our souls were darkened. But one day the gospel, the light of God, sprang forth upon us. And again, the word of God said, let there be light on Donnie's seed. Praise God. And the darkness that had hovered around me all of my days had to separate themselves. And the light of God shined upon my seed and it sprung to life. Like the earth, I still have both light and darkness. I have wonderful, tremendous times fellowshipping in the light. And I have times, Lord, when my earth still feels darkness. I still can get sick, weary, sad. I feel troubled and concerned when the sheep here get sick and their family members are sick and they're facing troubles. The prophet said it, it's, he called it a nighttime. We all experience that. But Lord, how we're longing for a world when there will be no more darkness. It's one of the outstanding things that John saw in the new Jerusalem descending from God out of heaven when he said, there shall be no more night there. 
once we get our new body, we'll be able to say it before the new city does. We'll be able to say, there'll be no more night here. All mortality has ceased to exist. It will be swallowed up in light. Father, may your light shine across our paths even more perfectly, Lord God. If there's any areas of our life tonight that are shattered by darkness, whether it's fear, tradition, whatever more, and it's trying to keep the light from shining on us to keep us from closer, intimate fellowship with you, may the day dawn and the day spring arise in our hearts. May the day bring forth and may it be the rising of the sun on that avenue. May the rising of the sun strike tonight on those that are sick, Lord. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for those that have been going through one thing and then another. You know how we can become discouraged when we get that way, Lord? It's that cycle of nighttime that we're going through. But Lord God, I pray for your children tonight, Lord. May the day star arise in the name of Jesus. May he bring healing in his wings. May this darkness of sickness, this cycle, may it leave them, Father. In the name of Jesus. Lord God, running into Brother Danny Therese today and him telling me, Lord, Sister Phoebe going to the doctor and he himself with sickness in his body. I've thought about him off and on all the rest of the day. Lord God, as your people, we call their names tonight. Right now in the name of Jesus, may the day star arise. Lord, you see Sister Phoebe lost the hearing in one ear and going to a specialist and then giving her some antibiotics and steroids. We thank you for all that that they can do. But right now in the name of Jesus, may the Spirit of God go to our brother and our sister. Lord Jesus, in your precious name, may that darkness leave their bodies. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, any of the rest of your children here tonight, Lord God, those that are streaming, those that maybe have other needs, and Lord, it looks dark before them, they don't know which way to go. In the name of Jesus, may the sun arise before their path. Maybe somebody's got to make a decision tomorrow and they don't know which way to go. They're in a state of confusion. They don't know what to do. But before that meeting tomorrow at 10 o'clock, in the name of Jesus, may the day star arise. Blessed be the Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That young person, Lord, that don't know what to do, Father, they're struggling in their life. May the day star arise. Give his great immutable light and counsel. Hallelujah, your light can penetrate right down to the demons of hell. And because it has the ability to penetrate to hell itself and not be contaminated, it can pierce through our storms and remain as pure as it was when it left the throne of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, may your great word, hallelujah, encompass this earth tonight, Father, as your children are going through such things as they've never been before. 
that the light of God can so come and penetrate our lives and break forth the darkness. Hallelujah, we say to Satan and all of his cohorts of hell, you are defeated. Hallelujah, our Lord arose 2,000 years ago. Even though Easter Sunday is past, Easter, S-O-N-D-A-Y, will never pass away. We enjoy Easter on Wednesday. We enjoy it on Thanksgiving. We enjoy it on St. Patrick's Day. We enjoy it on the darkest day of the year. Hallelujah. Because he has arisen in our hearts. Satan, in the name of Jesus, take your hands off of God's property. God, I pray for your servant tonight. Brother Darrell, Lord, you see having this MRI done in his body and something showing up, Lord, in his arteries or his veins that the doctors just aren't sure about. In the name of Jesus, may the light of God, hallelujah, may the light of God go into his body right now, Lord. You see, Father, causing dizziness in his body and affecting his ability to hear, but may the light of the word of God enter right now into our brother's body. In the name of Jesus, may it dispel that darkness of sickness. May it leave him in Jesus' name. Oh, children, whatever you need right now, reach out by your face. Hallelujah, reach out by your face. He's here. Hallelujah, he's mindful of you. I might not know your need tonight and I might not be able to call your name, but the Lord Jesus knows what you have need of. Let your faith stop him. Say, Lord, pass this way. Don't say, let Brother Donnie come to me, but Lord, I need you. Come by my way, Lord Jesus. You know my name. You know my bench I'm sitting in. You know my address. Come by my way tonight, Lord Jesus. You're passing this way. I sense you're here, Lord. Do not pass me by. Visit me, Lord. Deliver me of my headache. Deliver me, Lord God, of my back pain. Deliver me, God, of whatever, whatever your need is tonight, child of God. You're a child of light. May the Lord God anoint your faith. Don't you see what faith is? Faith is not darkness. Faith is a ray of God's light. Don't you see what God's faith is? God's faith is just another bolstering power of his light that joins in with your face of light. Hallelujah. And it unites together because light unites together with light. His light face joins together with your light face and brings the promise to pass in your own life. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say that 
give myself away I give myself away so you can use me I give myself away I give myself away so you
on the main line tell him what you want oh jesus on the main line tell him what you sing this little song as you're dismissed this evening. Kiv G, I saw the light. Is that in the computer here? Let's sing that tonight as you're dismissed. Oh, I saw the light. I saw the light. Oh, no more in darkness. No more in night. Oh, now I'm so happy. No sorrow.